Okay, let's get straight into our 10 o'clock conversation. It's our business talk as always. And today we're profiling Apiwe Nusani Mawela. And, and she is, of course, the first black female brewer in the country. Can you imagine in 2020, um, you know, she gets to uh, be somebody who's given that title. And of course, she's been in the brewing business for about eight years now. Her story, uh, quite a remarkable one and uh, how she's developing the industry. So the latest now is how she's using new methods of making beer and has come up with different ways of using plants and indigenous ingredients in order to develop Beverages for local and international markets. Apiwe, good morning and thank you so much for your time today. Good morning, Susie. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Can I just correct something quickly? Yes, go, um, go for I'm it. Not the, yes, I'm not the first brewmaster, but the first um, to own a brewery. So there are oh, the f- oh, yes, other. the first to own a brewery. Okay, there we go. Th- th- thanks thanks for that correction, Apiwe. Thanks for that correction. Uh, you know, your story has been remarkable over the years. And I think just for the benefit of our listeners, take us back to the beginning. How did you actually get into brewing? Oh, yeah, my, my story, my journey began um, back when I was in high school. Um, I was not much, uh, I was not a beer drink. I was not even... Yeah, I didn't even, like, it was one of those things. Alcohol was uh, <laughs> a far, 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 far thing for me. Uh, growing up in the Eastern Cape, I'm originally from Butter West. Um, so I actually did my high school here in Joburg um, and uh, at Queen's High School. And then um, my friend and I actually went for an open day at, at, at Den Rao because um, I knew I kind of like sciences and um, enjoyed maths and biology at school. So that's where I was actually introduced to the study of microbiology. Uh, at the BSU stand, they had uh, yogurt, cheese, uh, a can of beer. And for me, I was like, wow, you know, like I didn't know that one could uh, combine science with products that people consume every day. And that's where it started. I started researching, reading around where one could work, where one could do. And I ended up working at one of the um, big company, brewing companies, and I trained as a brewer, did my diploma in brewing. Um, and in 2018, no, 2008, I was the first person to complete a national diploma in clear fermented beverages through SACWA. Um, then I did my master brewer left, the company started my own business in 2015, uh, Bristol Craft, um, and then uh, in 2017, I actually got funding loan from the IDC to set up my uh, current um, brewery, which is based in Rodeport. So that's my story in uh, in summary. I, I'm curious to know, so for somebody who started off not drinking, did that change along the way? Because you, you got into craft in, into um, craft beer. And, you know, craft beer, I, at least from what I understand of it, is obviously it has to do with different tastes and different notes of this and that and different flavors and experimenting with those. So at which point did you choose beer as, as a thing to focus on? So I, I mean, when I was doing my 
uh, BSc uh, microbiology and later my honors, I, I, I mean, you obviously get exposed to all the different uh, methodologies and different aspects within the biotechnology study. And also there was fermentation. I, for me, I got into, brewing was not, it was by chance, I think, <laughs> uh, looking at who won. Um, I remember when I told my parents that this is what I wanted to study. I mean, he's my, my dad's first question was, where would you work? Like, what is the study? I've never heard of it before. Who would hire you? And when yeah, I told him, fair that, enough, no one, right? Uh, <laughs> these are these are these are a list of companies. I mm. mean, SAVs, your Clovers, your Unilevers, mm. um, you know, big companies that uh, that employ uh, people who have studied uh, microbiology. Like, okay, I yeah, know, I know the companies. I know people who work for. You know how it is. Um, uh, like, is like umtena kabanda and so and so. Usebenze Clover. Yeah, and driver it bends. Therefore, yeah, yeah, go for it. There's money there. So um, that's how I got into it. And then as I as I got to um, as I work within the industry, mm. uh, I actually got to enjoy it more and more and more. And then the craft element came in when I think twenty to twenty eleven, when uh, I was uh, moved to a different position where I was heading up the craft craft brewing division of the company, and I was given. Um, freedom to design my own uh, recipes through whatever I felt like to bring uh, for different festivals. So during that time, I got to experience different flavors, looking at, obviously, got exposed to the global trends within craft. attended different craft craft festivals within the country, mm-hmm. made other people who had, who had already started their own micro-brewing companies, and, and just talking to them and realizing that, you know, actually, this is, uh, this is something that one could um, have a future and live off. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, and it was just um, also then because my my dad had left teaching a few years before he started his own business, and he's also a very much believer in, in entrepreneurship. And, and, and so it was uh, one of the, those decisions that when I decided and ran past them, it was like, yes, please go for it. Um, let's see how far you can you can go and... Yeah, and it's been yeah. it's been crazy, mm. ups and downs, and uh, obviously, but it's been fun. I would do it over again mm. if it, I had to. You you, you know, it, it's one thing being part of an already established organization and being entrusted within the organization uh, with a big title and playing a significant role. But stepping out often requires a lot of courage, and you did that in a space which is already a niche market. Um, tell me about the move from that formal employment to now saying, actually, I'm going to uh, try and do this on my own. Uh, w- what were what were some of the, th- the, 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 the thought processes that were driving that for you? So it was it was various things. I think it was um I mean I think like anyone who 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 as you move up within the career ladder uh, you, you start giving more and more of yourself to um to a company, you realize that actually you never spend time with your kids. Um for me it was it was that more, it was partly that. Um and uh and also I mean looking at what was happening globally within that space and understanding that it was a space that was not uh, being explored much within South Africa, and as much it was being, um, it was a big thing outside of the country, and and just seeing other people who were already in it, um, and seeing how much they enjoyed what they were doing, obviously without knowing their full stories. But for me, those were like some of the 
um, key drivers to say, you know what, maybe it's time I also try this out. Uh, the transition was not easy at all. Uh, there were times where I thought, maybe I should have just should just go back. You know, um, when my then came and things didn't add up. Uh, and also, I think the other thing that also helped for me was um, initially before I started uh, fully my own plant, I actually partnered up with other guys to start another brewery. So I was a, a we were all shareholders, so I didn't have all the responsibilities by myself. Um, and, 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 and financially, there were other people who were putting money in. So it was a, a, a good transition from being full-on employed to partly not really on my own. And then now that I'm on my own, I think all, all that has happened has kind of prepared me for, for, for where I am now. Mm-hmm. It, it takes a lot to be able to grow a business, especially a small business, to uh, being a business that the IDC can look at and feel, well, this can actually become a significant industry player. We're going to back it up with, with some of our funding. What were some of the challenges that you experienced along the way and, and how did you deal with them? And and perhaps, you know, specifically um, in, in the interest of people who could well be running small businesses and who are listening to this, to this conversation and um, may well learn from the insights that you might share. So, uh, I mean, the, the journey to um, getting the IDC funds was, uh, yeah, a process on its own. Uh, before that, I, I did try to um, get private uh, private money I mean, the process of having to present to this person and they say, yeah, it sounds like a great idea, I'll come back to you. You know, it's, it's um, to some people it might not be much, but it's actually quite draining uh, emotionally and and uh, physically and, you know, just <laughs> everything because you 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 are um, you get excited and, and the person last minute says, no, ah, you know what, I'd rather move my money elsewhere. And and uh, so I went through a whole of that. We, I mean, uh, that uh, sadly in South Africa we have a, um, a culture. I mean, I've had people who say, "No, give me a percentage of your company. I'll introduce you to so and so who definitely invest in your company because the idea sounds so great." And also the worry that somebody else might actually take this idea and run with it before you actually um, get off the ground. And then when I got to um, when I finally got to present to to the IDC and and them um, on first presentation, liking obviously the the idea making sense, and then we had to spend time unpacking, uh, having to submit business plans, projections, having to get uh, uh, what you call this uh, offtake agreements. So that process took over well over six seven months. Uh, and during that time, you keep on hoping that this thing is going to work, it's going to work, and, and them scrutinizing everything, and um, it can be quite challenging. But uh, it's one of those things, if you've told yourself you really want to achieve something, you, you try to push as much as you can, and which is, um, yeah, that's what, I, what, that's what worked for me. Mm-hmm. You describe it as a roller coaster, you know, um, of a journey that has its highs and lows. What have been some of those highs and lows for you? Um, I think for me, the biggest high is is getting that um, that confirmation that my my application has been successful, and um, and I think doing the actual signing signing that now realizing that you know what this is a uh, this is really happening. Um, and uh, there's been a few other 
But I think just offhand now, that's probably one of the key ones for me. And uh, the biggest, the other biggest one was um, the day everything was put in place at the plant. I mean, I remember posting on social media that, you know, I should probably sleep here so that when I wake up, it's still here. Otherwise, it feels like I'm dreaming. Um, <laughs> you know, like, you know that, that feeling that maybe I'm, I'm going to wake up and this Absol- one And, and it'll be gone. Maybe it's all Let part of a dream, here. right? <laughs> That's that's yeah, amazing. I sleep here so that when I <laughs> when I wake up, I still see it. Therefore, therefore, um, it will be real. Um, and seeing things just working, coming together, mm. uh, finally launching our own brand this this year. Um, just after <clears throat> sorry, after COVID, the Dologazi brand um, has been some of the highlights. Uh, low lights, obviously. I think I don't think there's any small business in South Africa, or obviously globally, who has not been affected by mm. COVID. Um, that that was that was a uh, you know, that was very very bad. Mm, mm. I mean, there were days when I'll come in um, and just want to scream and cry and do all sorts of because you're like you know what this this is like slipping off my fingers and, and there's nothing I can mm. do because our industry is totally uh, banned and 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 this, this, you know and I woke up every day telling myself you know let me let me try this so I did a whole lot of different things I tried mm. sanitizers I tried PPE I tried non-alcoholic just to just you know saying um, this has to work I can't this can't fail being mm. 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 um, the first black mean uh, my failure would I personally I I've just I've taken that. Responsibility to say, you know, my my failure is not just will not just be mine alone. It will be mainly um, for other people also. Mm-hmm. So I really have mm-hmm. to do all I can within my power to make sure this continues. And um, we are somehow still here. I don't know uh, with all the other talks that are currently. The rumors going around what's going to happen, but yeah. yeah, it's such an important point that you're raising that as a small business, um, when the lockdown had happened, and you being, of course, in uh, the brewing industry, you you were some of those that were worst affected because the sale of alcohol at one point was completely banned, and mm. having to try and reinvent yourself and be innovative in the moment just so that you can survive, you know, so that you're not not doing anything. Um, what is that process like? And, and where did you draw your strength from in that moment? It was it was a difficult um, uh, period. Um, I mean, having um, currently I'm a, I have eight employees, having guys that uh, like looking, obviously looking and waiting for you to what's going to happen month. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try apply for UIF. If we get it, I'll I'll give you guys the money. If we don't, I'm not sure what's going to happen. And realizing that, you know, for me, the other biggest um, driver was the fact that I had taken I've taken all my life savings into this project. You know, I I owe. Money, lots of monies, and um, and just I can, I can only imagine. I can only imagine a piwe. Yes, and mm. I'm thinking, you know what? If, if this if this falls, my kids will. I mean, I would be always have to be indebted for the rest of my life, and my kids will affect not just my life but their lives. You know, so it mm. becomes when you sit and think about it, you realize that actually this is this is this can't you I just have to wake up every day and, and try something different. Um, I mean I did um, I was doing I was doing because uh, the key thing for me was I needed people not to forget during that time, even though we're banned, I needed 
uh, the brand to still exist in people's mm. minds. So I was doing live um, uh, virtual tours of the plant on, on social media, taking through people what we're doing, you know, showing them what so they can actually feel and see um, and, and, and emotionally, obviously, feel what we're going through to a certain mm. level. Um, mm. like pre-order so that as soon as uh, the ban was lifted, people could buy and obviously help us uh, have a bit of that of that income in, and I think for me also what helped is having a, a good relationship with my landlord because um, the minute we were not on lockdown, I mean I went to them and said, you know what, this is the situation. You guys can see this is um, what's happening. It's not just it's not just me who's affected, and they were actually actually very open to relooking and give me a whole lot of um, uh, you know uh, was in the rental. So that helped to just keep going, uh, mm-hmm. and, and for me it was trying to keep, I was like, you know, I need to keep lights on. I need to make sure that people that uh, are working, yeah, they at least have food, um, whatever mm-hmm. little money I give them. So at least they also have food. They don't just, um, you know, so it becomes it becomes all emotional. And you realize that, you know, being a business owner, um, you have to sacrifice a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the sacrifices, you have to think of the people that are looking up to you first and, yeah. Uh, Ah, oh, Apiwe, what what are you, know, you making me emotional like <laughs> Well, what a real story, hey! I, I'm feeling every single word um, that that you're sharing with us today, and um, we're going to continue the conversation because one of the things that you've also done during this period, regardless of how hard it has been, is that you've been innovative in different ways, and this is also taking your craft to the next level. And we'll find out more about that. I'm in conversation with Apiwe. Nusani Mawela, uh, and she is a brewmaster. Um, it's 10.30. We're going to go to your latest news headlines with Udzile Sako, and we'll continue with Apiwe after this. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. You're live on The Talking Point. We're in conversation with Apiwe Nusa Nimawela. She's a brewmaster. And as you heard, uh, she's the first black female to own her own brewery. And after much sweat and toil, um, she shared part of her entrepreneurial journey with us this morning. Apiwe, you know, talk to me about how then you've come to the point where you are today. Because one of the most recent profiles that has been done on you is how you're using indigenous plants in the development of, um, of of craft beers and you know bringing completely new offerings to the local and global market so for me when I when I started um, with this craft so a brewster is a term that's used for female brewer um, and I, for me I, I, my, my passion is, is, is Africa is people brewing um, and, and, and I've always tried to combine um, those in everything that I do. Uh, and that came actually from uh, after I attended a course at the, um, uh, the Tabombegi Leadership Institute, which is through UNESA, and the course was thought leadership for Africa's renewal. Um, and during that course, I kept asking myself, how do I, in my space, bring about the renewal or the renaissance of Africa? How do I, in my space, showcase what Africa can offer? And, um, and that's where, actually, the beers that I've launched come from that from those questions I asked myself a day a few years ago. And also realizing that I have I'm a master brewer and I've mastered the science and the skill and the and of brewing clear beer. But 
when it comes to bring our Mkomboti, um, there's not much talked about. Um, and you know, I think there was an article a few years back where uh, sorghum and Mkomboti was listed as one of, of the uh, foods that are going to be in, uh, extinct in a few years because uh, people are, are, I mean, the young women are not wanting to know how to brew it anymore and the young men don't want to drink it. Uh, everybody's been uh, moving away from our traditions and getting modernized. And for me, those were questions that I kept asking myself, that how do I, uh, within within what I do, uh, try, you know, change some of the things that in 20 years from now, we, we, we can still, we have our great, great kids knowing how to make Kumkumbut and what African beer is about. And also um, taking from the fact that we have tourists coming into the country or into the continent, and we show them uh, the big five, we, we dance, we give them the food. But when it comes to beverages, um, we give them the same beers that we have had in, in, in Germany or wherever they come from. And we don't have anything that's uniquely African. So um, combining all those elements and all those questions, and, and, and so I, came up, I came up with um, the idea of actually infusing um, and using African indigenous ingredients in, in our beers. So I've got a post now where I use uh, um, sorghum malt, or umtombo, uh, amabele is known by other people, uh, but a small quantity. So it's still not a, um, it's just introducing that, that flavor and that taste, but still makes the beer similar to what people would um, are used to. And then I've got a, an African pale ale where I also use sorghum malt and use only a South African uh, hops. Mm. Um, and then I've got also a rooibos cider, which is the one that's currently um, kind of like talk of town, um, where I use uh, the rooibos and berry juice in, in the cider. So it's got, um, you know, so it's just about using local ingredients for me. And then I recently also launched a pineapple cider, which obviously was influenced by by, by the lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and our nana colleague has uses hibiscus uh, tea also. So I'm very I'm very um, passionate and, and intrigued by what we have locally, the ingredients that we have, and how do we use them to to create uh, products that are. Um, that people would like. And I, I was going to say, uh, uh, you know, the flavors that you're talking about are flavors that many South Africans are familiar with and that uh, people would be keen and curious about um, in general. You know, rooibos, imagine rooibos in a craft beer, hey? I, I, I don't like beer. I don't like the taste of beer. But, you know, you, you, you might get me to try maybe half a glass <laughs> if it's rooibos flavored. Um, it's, it's so great chatting to you. Uh, I've got some couple of voice notes that have come in for you. And uh, I was just going to cue a couple of them up uh, and just listen out to what some of our listeners are saying to you at this hour. I would want to say well done to this lady uh, brewing and uh, may she develop umkomboti further and commercialize it, you know. You know, something Afro, uh, of African origin is always, uh, you know, uh, better. Eh? We need her to promote our own African uh, uh, recipes, you know, and commercialize it, package it nicely, you know. Thank you very much. Hi, Kathy. You're speaking to Divin Konz again here in Bloemfontein. Wow, I'm so happy for all of you, you know. I started to hear about her story. I think it was on Radio 2000, if I'm not mistaken. She was talking to Masha 
and it made me so excited to hear uh, how she has got where she is and what did she do i'm so very happy for her and said keep up the good work and keep on for abandon thank you it's so inspiring uh, listening such a, a brave woman uh, running such an unusual business in black people i mean uh, brewing in black communities is not that much but uh, maybe she, she's she's pushing i remember watching her on on 44 on during the lockdown and she was talking about the difficulties she's going through with the business because of the lockdown. So I'm happy. She's such an inspiration to many women, not just many women, but to the country as a whole. Thank you. It's Calvin Bezenmala. Uh, good morning, Kathy. Congratulations to your guest. That's brilliant. That's a good thing to do. I also tried, but I couldn't succeed. I was interested in textile manufacturing and I requested IDC to help me set up this business and the business setup cost about 14 million and regrettably I was told that uh, I need to pay half of the amount that I need, which I don't have. So I was tucked. I sent everything to them. Everything was fine, business plan, everything. But because no, because of I don't have that money that they want me to pay, I was tucked. So I will never succeed. This is South Africa that we, live, we are living in. Yeah. Others are success. Others are failing. So yeah. I accepted um, it. All right. So uh, thank you for those WhatsApp voice notes. All of you really expressing uh, just how proud you are uh, and how inspired you are by a POS journey. Let me quickly go to Erastus in Woodbank. Erastus, good morning. Very good morning to you, Katie, and Apiwe, your guest. Uh, Apiwe, congratulations, my sister. Don't look back. I know how difficult it is to start a business. Sometimes to wake up crying. And you pinch yourself, you ask yourself questions to say, am I on the right track? Mm-hmm. Am I going to Should I go back to my old job? Do not look back. Well done, my sister. Very proud of you. Oh, Erastus, what a lovely call. Thank you. Apiwe, do you want to respond to that? No, I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for all the uh, encouraging uh, words of encouragement. And to the gentleman, the last one on the voice notes, it, it is it is quite difficult to get funding. I mean, I, I went through different um, funding entities uh, where most of them told us they don't fund my industry, you know, uh, because we the alcohol industry and, and going through the requirements. I mean, it can, it, it is, uh, I think it's something that uh, a government needs to really, really look at how they fund startups because not everyone has a savings. Mm. So I was, I was, um, I was fortunate that I had um, some money from my previous employer. Um, I mean, I had already had built a good credit record, so some of the things they look at, uh, I had a house that I could put up, 
you know. So, so we find that a lot of people, black people especially, do not have all these requirements. I had mm. to raise the same the same money. I mean, you, um, with IDC, you need to put in some of your money. So I had to sell some equity to try raise those that the actual fiscal money that they wanted me to put in. So it, it is not. Um, I mean, it's difficult. So some, mm. It's not easy at all. Oh, Apiwe, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your story. Before we go, um, how can people contact you, get in touch, order products? Where, uh, which? Uh, tell us a bit more about your online presence. So uh, we, we, our product is sold on Tetelot, uh, uh Look for Dologa Zipia, and we also just listed on Brownsend Africa. Um, and then uh, we on social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram at Dologa Zipia. Uh, that's where we list our uh, retail outlets because we've got a few not to mention now. Uh, but we are focusing on Gauteng and Eastern Cape because originally I'm from the Eastern Cape. Um, and then planning next year to start rolling out to the other other parts. And then in terms of the company, Bruce's Craft, we are on Facebook as Bruce's Craft. So there you can find information about the training that we offer uh, the contract manufacturing and all the other stuff that we do at the brewery. All right, fantastic. We wish you all of the very best. Apiwe Ngusani Mawela, as you heard there, Dolakazi Beer, um, and they're under that name on various social media platforms. So uh, you can just find it and reach out to her if if that's what you want to do. But what an incredible story. And I think, you know, we, when you listen to what she's had to go through over the last while, especially under COVID-19, that story I know so many South Africans are going to be able to resonate with it. We'll take a quick break and I'm back with more after this.